Come on, I just want to get a picture. Okay, well that didn't work. People inside their houses with the shades pulled down. God knows we could use some romance in this sleepy bedroom town. Ah. Hey folks, this is Rish Outfield. And that would make this the Rish Out cast. Huh. I don't know if you're a dang. Every time you say, I don't know, this trigger gets pulled. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're a podcaster or not, but I get the impression that most people, when they podcast, they have an agenda. They have something that they've planned, maybe some notes, maybe a script in front of them. And that would certainly be useful. But I started this outcast show as a podcast that I could do while I was in the car by myself. Sort of my own thing, whatever topic I wanted to talk about. Not very structured, although it has become somewhat structured. And um, the, the plan was that it, I was going to do an episode where I presented a story and then an episode where I just chatted, where I talked, where there were topics. And then I think I was going to, to alternate other people's stories as well. But I've sort of set aside a different podcast for that. But in 2022, I haven't had a lot of just rambling episodes. Most of them have been story presentations, which is fine. I would imagine that people like those better. And I always feel a little bit guilty when I put out a, uh, an episode that doesn't have a story attached. I used to go out and find like very, very short stories or drabbles or something that I could stick at the end of those for my Patreon supporters just to sort of mitigate, to, to, to offset the fact that it was a conversation episode. But I will. Anyway, uh, over the last few days, I've wanted to talk about this um, estate sale that I went to on Saturday with my cousin Ryan. There was a yard sale of a, a guy who was selling his collection and he took a picture of a, a bunch of figures and I was under the impression that, you know, this was just a sampling of what he was going to be selling at his house on Saturday. It turned out that was it. The, the, the pictures, the three pictures that he took was everything. And um, he would look things up on eBay before he would give you a price. So we weren't going to get any awesome deals or, or great bargains there. But there was a, an estate sale that was two or three more towns north. So we had already driven about 45 minutes. And then there was an estate sale 20 more minutes north. Somebody had mentioned it on Facebook that they had gone by the day before and that it was a collector who had died and they were just selling off his collection. And they had taken a picture and it was just like table after table filled with boxes that seemed to be filled with stuff. But who knew what was in, it, in those boxes or whether it would be worth 
driving up or not. And my cousin didn't want to go. He just wanted to go home. And, and, and I got, I understand that. He didn't want to go in the first place. But he had had, had some money problems and said, hey, can you lend me some money? And I said, sure. But I hope that means that you'll go to the, uh, the yard sale with me on Saturday. I, I, I had him sort of between a rock and a hard place, you know. If he wanted that money, which was not insignificant, it was a lot of money, then he had to do this thing that I wanted. I told him I would buy lunch, but still. Anyway, he didn't want to go all the way up to this estate sale. But I went on Facebook and I, I was reading the comments of the people that had gone the day before, just because... My cousin thought that all the good stuff would be gone. And I, I think he was probably right, that there was really, really good stuff on that first day. And this was the second day. Uh, but there was a comment on Facebook, and somebody had said they were selling figures for a dollar and smaller figures for 50 cents. And when it came time to check out, the amount was so small that I just gave the guy a 20 and said, keep the change, uh, you know. I felt guilty for how little they were selling them for. And I told my cousin that, and he's like, well, okay, if you really, really want to go. And I said, well, I, I do. We came all this way up here. The first yard sale was a bust. Maybe this one won't be. And to make a long story short, it was hundreds and hundreds of items that this, I guess, company or whatever you would call an organization that sells things when someone has died. It was a collector and uh, he, he had passed away and I got the impression he was not much older than me. He, he could even have been younger because he had just tons of Phantom Menace items. Which are worthless, don't forget. But the estate planners, whatever you want to call those people, they didn't know what things were worth. And so, yeah, it was true they were selling figures for a dollar, and then little things like Hot Wheels and, and smaller toys for 50 cents each. And I just filled up a box. They had empty boxes. And uh, just like the person that had commented on Facebook, the employee told me what the total was. And I was just like, oh, here. And I gave him an extra $5 and said, here, keep the change. I, I, it just... It was way too generous, you know what I mean, the, the prices. And I understood what, what they were trying to do. Well, my cousin talked to him because he didn't, he, to him, I think that that one was a bust as well. He ended up buying a puzzle. Oh, hell no! And, and I just filled up a box with stuff. Then he went in and he talked to these these dudes that were in the garage, out of the sun, and... A lady who I assumed was the widow of this guy who had died. It turned out the guy was a radio DJ on one of the local alternative stations. And people knew him from that. I didn't. But he had died and left just thousands and thousands of items. Rooms full of his collection and... These estate planners were, or, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I, there's a name for it. Maybe let me know, or maybe just ignore it. These employees 
said that there was so much stuff that they would have to do it again in two weeks. They would get a bunch more boxes and then probably do it again two weeks after that. A bunch more boxes. And they're asking Ryan, like, what sort of things he would be interested in. He would say, and they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's got that. Uh, or he's got multiples of that. It, it just uh, an obscenely broad collection of toys and action figures and stuff. And they were just hoping to unload it. Uh, what, one thing that I found very interesting is my cousin said, oh, gosh, we got to come back two weeks from now. You know, I'm excited, Dan. We'll get here first thing. We'll be the first ones. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess he's glad that he came, even though he only bought a puzzle. That made me a little bit happier because I was super glad I came. There were a couple of Spider-Man figures that I bought for a dollar each. And then I, I turned around and sold those and it paid for the whole thing. It, if I sell one more, it will pay for buying Ryan lunch and myself as well, you know. Anyhow, as we were going back to the car, he was telling me about what those guys had said about some of these awesome things that they'd had the day before that sold very, very quickly. And um, he said, when you die, that's what it's going to be like for your family. It's like your mom and your sisters are going to be selling off all of your stuff, and they'll have no idea what any of it is worth. And they'll say, you know, a dollar for this, two dollars for these. Even if it's something that's worth 30, 40, 50, 60 dollars, they won't know. And um, I started to think about that. I started to think about how this guy was kind of like me, and now he's dead. I guess it's a morbid topic of conversation, but it, it just made me think, well, what will I leave behind when I'm gone? This guy had an estate sale that made me happy, and my assumption is that when we go back up there, it'll make my cousin happy. But what is the guy leaving behind? I didn't talk to the widow much. I felt awkward. I felt uncomfortable. My cousin talked to her, but he got the impression that the guy died without any kids. Hence, he was still collecting action figures, you know, in his 50s or however old he was. Maybe he was only in his 40s. But what will you leave behind when you're gone? What will I leave behind when I'm gone? I think about all of the stories that I have written, the novels that I have written in the last two years, you know, 2020 writing every single day. What did I finish? Three novels? In 2021, I think I finished two. And they just sit. They're, they're unpublished. They're not in a place where I can share them with anyone or have shared them with anyone. I'm focusing in 2022 on trying to get this stuff recorded, trying to get this stuff put out, but it's very, very, very slow going. You know, I didn't get Hatchling out until, what, July of 2022, and, but now I'm found, which is a novella, it's not a, a novel, has taken me like two and a half months to put that out. Now, if it were my job, if it was the one thing that I did, and I worked every single day on it, maybe I would do better. But you know how it is. It's, it's 
a thing that I set aside time for every couple of days or less. I mean, I've got this podcast, I've got work, I've got audio work that I'm doing for other people. I guess I was thinking of my stories as some kind of legacy. You know what I mean? And there's not exactly a fire lit under my tail to get these works out, to share them with other people. Uh, I ought to do it. Yeah. But, you know, there's no outside pressure. I realize that I always bring up George R. R. Martin. I, I, I talk about him more than I should. I, I understand that. But he is a cautionary tale, ladies and gentlemen. And he's somebody that I think about all the time because how does something like that happen with him? You know, I was saying that there's nobody lighting a fire under my tail. There are multiple fires. There's a bonfire lit under George R. R. Martin and he doesn't produce Heck, maybe 2022 is our year for that book that he said he was half done with in, what, 2012? Might have been 2013. Let's be generous here. There's all these pressures on him to produce, to put his stuff out there, uh, and he doesn't do it. And the pressure on me is minuscule, and I, I, I do it very, very little. But it's something that is in the back of my mind that... These stories, even if they're not very good, are a part of me. They came from me. They are creations from my imagination, my hopes and dreams and fears. And if I died, those stories would live on in a limited capacity. And that would make me live on in a limited capacity. I used to be a real music aficionado. I just liked music. I, I was one of those guys who a song came on the radio and I could tell you who it was and what the name of the song was almost instantly. Oh, how will I know by Whitney Houston? Creep, Radiohead. Someone Shat in the Fountain of Youth by Algar Van Kloof. We're Not Gonna Take It by either Quiet Riot or Twisted Sister. I always get it backwards. But, you know, a lot of these musicians die young and you hear their music, and it's kind of like they're alive again. Is that too much of a reach? You know, obviously with, like, actors, somebody is long dead, but you can watch their movie and see them talking and laughing and walking around. They are alive. Okay, now I'm heading down that road where I saw the, the elk, and I always see deer, always. I bet you $20 I will see at least one deer. Ready? I bet you I will see a deer within the next two minutes. How's that? Go. You, you'll see this actor walking and laughing, singing maybe, fighting, kissing. You hear their voice and it's like they're alive again. It's remarkable. There's a kind of immortality to that. I remember... When I was in film school, there was a film studies class. Maybe it was intro to film. I can't remember what it was. But every Monday, it was the film lab. And we would go in, and there was a little theater, and they would show something, and we would watch it. And I 
remember we were watching a silent film from the 1920s and Jorge Ramirez was sitting near me. He was a student from Mexico who actually went on to have quite a career in film. He's directed movies. He's a producer on, uh, apparently it's a hugely successful television series, comedy sitcom called Vecinos. Anyway, Jorge leaned over and he said, do you see those people? All of them are dead and they don't even know it. And I, I chuckled, but then I stopped laughing because I realized he was right. They were all dead and we were seeing them laughing and interacting and walking around and they were all gone. It felt poignant. It felt like a wake-up call, I guess. You know, I was in my 20s, and my metabolism hadn't changed yet, so I could eat as much as I wanted to, and I wouldn't gain a pound. I mean, of course, I was underweight, so maybe that wasn't great, but within a couple of years after that, my metabolism would change, and I would start gaining weight from what I ate, and I've never been thin since then. I'm skinny fat, but still. But yeah, I was young. I felt like I had the whole world ahead of me. It's just like, you know, one day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to fall in love. One day I'm going to get married. I'll have kids. I'm going to get a really good job. I'm going to achieve all of my goals, my dreams. And then here we are all these years later. And I'm not young anymore. And so many of those dreams, so many of those... Uh, by the way, I didn't see any deer, so I lost the bet. All those ideas or, or ideals, one or the other, have sort of fallen by the wayside. And now I'm careening toward the end. I say careening because it was only... A couple of years ago that I was in that film school class trying to stay awake. I could never stay awake during silent films, ever. I would fall asleep, you know, then the lights would come on at the end or there would be applause, I guess, at the end. And, and, and I'd shake my face and go, oh, 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 clean up the drool on my chin. That felt like a couple of years ago. No exaggeration. Uh, I spoke to a girl last week. And I don't remember what the circumstance was. I think she was just being chatty with somebody else and said, I was born in 2001. She said that to somebody else and, and, and that just rocked me. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but 2001 was like three weeks ago. And she snorted and said, for you, maybe. I don't know why that was necessary. Yes. For me, that's what we were talking about. But one day I'll be gone and she'll be careening toward the end. And she'll look over her shoulder and be like, oh my gosh, 2022 was so recently. And the calendar now says that that was 25 years ago. Besides writing stories and besides making movies and music, Another way that you can leave something behind, that you can make your mark on the world, is by helping other people, is by impacting other people. 
my mom is generous to a fault. She's always willing to help people out. She seems pretty selfless. And it bothers members of my family that she's always willing to give people money if problems arise in their life, if they're having trouble paying their bills, you know, uh, that sort of thing. She's always willing to pitch in, to lend a hand, to write a check. And I know that a couple of my siblings hate that because... You know, that's money that you won't be getting in the end. I've actually heard that before. <laughs> My sister is like, that money should be mine. And she's just giving it away. I don't feel that way because my mom, I'm one of those people that my mom helps often. You know, anytime I need to borrow the truck, it's there. She's always uh, willing to take me out to lunch. We go over on Sundays to eat Sunday dinner. And sometimes my brother can't make it. Sometimes my sister who uh, doesn't live with me has other things going on, but I almost always go over there. I enjoy the food. I enjoy the company. Uh, I freeload, I suppose. I take advantage. And so I'm part of the problem. But the point I was trying to make is that my mom has made an impact in so many people's lives. And usually when somebody dies, you hear about how generous they are, or you hear about how something happened and we didn't know how we were going to pay for it. And so-and-so stepped in. But I hear those stories now with my mom still alive. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that it's dangerous when I don't have an agenda, when I don't know what I'm going to be talking about. I don't know. Because I go on various tangents and maybe there's no point to be made. I really fear that that might be the case in this episode. I recently put out my audiobook for Hatchling, which is a book that I wrote in 2020, I believe. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Dang. And currently I'm, re I'm working on the audiobook for But Now I'm Found, which is another Will Choner story. And today I was editing one of the chapters, and it's the longest recording for a chapter I've ever done. It was one hour and 21 minutes. And the reason that it was so long, well, you know, it's, it is a long chapter, but the main reason it was so long is because I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted it to be really good. I wanted it to be funny and touching and poignant and clever and romantic. Yeah, there's a deer right there in the road. Luckily, I'm only going 25 miles. I wanted it to be perfect. I would struggle over word choice and performance. And some of the lines I read over and over and over would keep swapping out certain words. Because I, I, I just, like I said, I wanted it to be perfect. And these things are never going to be perfect. Because I am, boy, about as far from perfect as you can be. 
get. And yet, I wanted it to be good. I wanted it, I wanted somebody to hear it and be like, this is the best thing you've ever written. And it can't always be the best thing that I've ever written. I, I, I recognize that. There are certain things that I write well, and there are certain things that I don't do so well. And it's rough when I sense that it's not quite working well. I, I don't, I, I, it, it's difficult for me to express the way that I'm feeling about this. There, I guess it goes back to what I was saying before of what am I going to leave behind? Boy, what was it? I think it was just this week I, I heard that Jeff Buckley had recorded or started recording a second album. He was a perfectionist. And he had done these sessions for this second album. And, and he was not pleased with them. He didn't think they were very good. And so he erased them and said, you know what, I'm just going to go back to the drawing board. You know, I'll go back in the studio and I will re-record these songs and I will do better. You'll see. And then he died. And those recordings would have been his last recordings, but they're gone. And I thought about that and I thought, oh gosh, what a, what a tragedy, man. Just the idea of, I'm going to do these over again because they're not quite good enough and then never having the opportunity to get them where you want them to be. That jumped into my head just now while I was talking because I get that. I had a conversation with a friend who is also a writer that, that said, my books are my children. I am protective of my books as though they were my children. And I get that too. It's frustrating not being as good as I want to be. And I sometimes hear Marshall getting down on himself because he's he didn't exercise on a day when he said he was going to. Or, you know, he ate a hamburger or he ate a piece of pie when he said he was going to diet. And I want to say, hey, don't be so hard on yourself, man. You're only human. And yet I, I totally get where he's coming from. I will fall short so many times. And I'm one of those people that gets frustrated and gives up very easily when something is difficult. You know, I, in 2020, I was doing those recordings. I was trying to do videos and it was difficult. And sometimes the program would crash and you'd have to start over or start from the last save point. Or even if there was a save point, it would say the file was corrupted and you had to start over anyway. And after a little while, I was just like, you know, this is not for me. Audio is for me and it's bad enough. I lose recordings all the time or I you know, that file is corrupted there all the time, but at least audio I'm confident in. I can do really good audio work. And so the videos have just fallen by the wayside. And 
that's too bad. But I can't do everything. I can't do a podcast as often as I do and write and do audiobooks and do voices for other people's audio dramas and do videos. Even for me, there's not enough hours in the day. Take today, for instance, I woke up very early, like way earlier than I normally do. Part, I, I've explained this before, but the couch at the cabin is uncomfortable. I tend to fall asleep once I've edited or written or watched movies until I'm exhausted. And then I wake up sometimes pre-dawn. But it's usually when the sun is very, very low in the sky because my back hurts from the couch and it works for me. A lot of times I will just go back to sleep. I'll get up, I'll eat a donut, and then I'll go back to sleep. But today I didn't. And so I had extra hours to work and play at the cabin. And yet soon the sun was low in the sky. And I told myself, shoot, I really should be leaving now if I want to avoid there being deer in the road when I'm driving home. And I can't just leave everything. It's not my cabin. I share the cabin with other people. I have to pick up after myself. And I, that always takes longer, just like everything, than I think that it will. And so even with the extra hours, the day flew by. And now here we are. That's probably a good metaphor for life, isn't it? One day, it will be my family doing an estate sale, trying to get rid of my junk. It's like, ah, oh, geez. Transformers? How many Transformers did he have? Ugh. Okay, $2 a piece? You know, that kind of thing. I feel bad for that guy that died. But he doesn't care. Believe me. But I, I, I still, I feel sad that um, he has all of this stuff and then people like me are vulturing around trying to get the good stuff, which was gone on that Friday. One day that will be me. And hopefully I will have left something behind besides Transformers. So until that day, I hope that you too leave something behind that you can be proud of, that can keep your memory alive years and years down the road. Okay, this episode ran a little slow. Slow. Well, that too. This episode ran a little short, and I was scrambling to come up with something to share with y'all. The first thing that I did was, instead of leaving the cabin before dark, as I usually do, I sat down and I recorded myself performing an old EC comic book story from 1956, thinking that that would be very entertaining as, as like an experiment, as like a little bonus thing. And it was, except for I hated the story and I hated the way that it ended. And I, I just felt like, oh, what a waste of time. And now it's dark, dark, dark. driving home. And as you know, Bob, I always try and leave before it gets dark, because there are large four-legged animals that tend to cross the road or stand on the side of the road up here. 
And if you can see them a quarter of a mile away or a block away or a hundred feet away, then you can anticipate. But if it's dark and you can't see them, well, bad stuff can happen. And, and I've been driving for a little while trying to think of something to talk to you about, whether it's connected to the episode that I just shared. I actually have two episodes that I was editing last night and today that came up short. One of them was about 19 minutes long, and one of them was about 38 minutes long. And for the 19-minute one, I'm going to come up with a story or something, and I will put that as an introduction to the story episode. There was a story that I, I was looking through the various things that I had recorded this summer and trying to find stories that were short, so I could just throw one in as a bonus. And I found one that was 10 minutes long. The recording was 10 minutes long. And so I spent about 20 minutes today editing it down. The final story ended up being about seven and a half minutes long. And I hated it more so than the EC comic, than the crime suspense stories segment that I, I was reading a half hour ago. And I thought, well, you know, you could still make for an interesting episode sharing a story written by somebody and then saying, you know, this is why I don't like it. But it's not that I don't like it. It's just there's nothing to it. It's not a story at all. It's just it's not worth wasting your time over, even though I've wasted the time that I took reading it, narrating it, and now editing it. So what I decided to do is... I'm going to talk a little bit about my plans for the last week in October, first week in November. This is 2022, and if you're a Patreon supporter of mine, you already know about this, because I mentioned it when it was first on the horizon, and then I went into more detail as it started to become realities. It started to be more set in stone. My friend Jeff, I've known since high school. We met in some class when we were sophomores, and then we became friends when we were seniors. We were in an English class together. In the very, very beginning of the year, we were sitting next to each other, and I saw that he had, he always had a book in his backpack. And the book that I saw him reading was The Dark Half, by Stephen King, and I told him, hey, I've read that, and we talked about it and discovered that we had things in common, and Jeff took an interest in me and my the things that I liked, and uh, we became friends. That's an oversimplification, I suppose, but we've been friends ever since. And he has sent me an email probably every single week for the past... 22 years? 23 years? Something like that? Anyway, he moved away to Germany. And he moved there when his oldest son uh, had finished high school. His middle son was just finishing high, out high school. And his daughter was uh, just about the age to start high school, I think. And so his two sons decided to stay here in America. And so it was him and his wife and his daughter 
up and left to move to Stuttgart, Germany. And he had told his company, oh shit, <laughs> thank you for not running into the street, pal. I told you, I need to be more responsible. <laughs> he had contracted with his job to spend seven years, I believe, in Germany. And amazingly, five of those years have passed already. And he has had difficulty making friends there. He's not enjoyed it in the way that I think that he thought that he would. He, he has enjoyed traveling in Europe and he, he likes their way of life with public transportation, without everybody having a car, with multiple cultures and languages and that sort of thing. He likes that a lot. But he's been telling me for years that he's anxious for those seven years to elapse so that he can move back to America and finish things out, figure out what he wants to do with the rest of his life. In his estimation, once he had put in the seven years, he would be able to retire because his company was paying for his housing, paying for his transportation. He didn't buy a car there. He didn't feel the need to have a car. And so the only money he was spending was on food and entertainment. And he was able to send money home to America and pay off the condo that he was had bought right before he left. And um, he's paid quite a bit. He has flown his sons out there and they've traveled around Europe. And uh, a couple years back, my mom said, well, you should go visit him sometime. And I was like, yeah, I, I should. I, I'm, I never am going to, though, mom. I can't afford to see Mount Rushmore, which I could just drive to. Now, I, I probably didn't say that or anything like that, but she mentioned it a couple of times because it seemed like it would be a cool opportunity. And she's right. But sure enough, in 2022, my friend Jeff said, what would you think of coming up to visit me sometime maybe toward the end of the year? You know, I gave him the usual spiel of, I've made bad decisions in my life, which means I can't afford to do stuff like that. And I'm never going to be able to retire. I'm just going to be a cautionary tale in my family. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's my birthday at the end of October. And my wife said I could celebrate any way that I wanted to. And this is how I want to celebrate. I want to fly you over and then we'll jet around Europe. We'll, we'll take the train and see things in Europe together. It'll be just the three of us. Because his, his daughter has long since graduated from high school. The second she was done, she came down to America again and lives in that condo that he paid off and got a job. And I'm hoping that she's swapped spit with several boys and a couple of girls. Because, you know, that seems to me what life is all about. 
But yeah, Jeff said, what do you think of this? And I, I told him that my mom had mentioned that several times and I had ruled it out because I never have any money. And he said, well, it's my birthday. It's a milestone for me. And this is how I want to celebrate it. And I've got the money. So what do you say? And um, I said, yes. So when he was here visiting in July, Jeff and his wife and I, we all went to a Chinese restaurant and sat down uh, around the table and we sort of planned out this trip. He's just like, you know, if you could go to Europe once in your life, what would you like to see? And I said, why? Well, I want to see the Gherkin in London. Welcome to the Gherkin. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry for laughing, but it is true. It's like when, Jeff and I used to watch BBC stuff all the time together. And we made a point of every single time we saw that building, one of us or both of us would go, Gherkin! The Gherkin is an awesome building. And it was so much fun. So I said, I want to see the Gherkin. Packing a Gherkin. <laughs> he says, that's it? And I said, well, you know, Big Ben is there. Uh, the London Bridge is there. The building that gets blown up in Skyfall is there. Uh, the great big Ferris wheel is there. You know, I, I think that that would be pretty cool. And he said, oh, okay, so London, you want to visit London? And I said, oh, and, 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 and while we were there, uh, I would think it would be really cool to go on a Jack the Ripper tour. And he goes, yeah, one time when Peter was visiting, we all did that. And I was just like, oh, oh, so you've already done that. Shoot. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go again. I think it was really fun. And Emily, Jeff's wife, said, and that's it? That's, that's, that's what you would most want to do? And I said, well, that, that seems like something Jeff and I would have fun doing. I mean, if, if, if I could go anywhere in Europe, it would be Venice and see the canals and all that. I'd like to do that. But uh, I understand that, you know, that that's not near London or Germany. And he's like, everything is near everything else there. You know, there are so many trains. It's very widely available. It's comfortable. It's easy. You know, wherever you would want to go, you could go. And he said, what about the Tower of London? Do you want to see that? And I said, well, what, to see like the crown jewels and stuff? And it's like, no, no, it doesn't have to be the crown jewels. You could go there and see all of the torture devices and uh, hear the tour guides tell the sordid details of, of London's past. And I was like, well, I, I'm not really a torture guy. I think that I would rather not go to see that kind of thing. And he says, oh, okay, well, but we'll definitely go to the torture museum that's just in so-and-so town here in Germany. But, you know, if you want to skip the tower, that's, I understand. And I was just like, I just told you I don't want to see torture stuff. And he said, well, we'll just go to the torture museum. But for some reason, that's something he really wants to show me. And so that, you know, that's cool. He's buying, you know, you dance with the one that brung you, right? He said, any place else that you would like to go? And I said, well, and I told him this story that I think I told you. And maybe I didn't. I definitely told my Patreon supporters. So support me on Patreon and you can hear this story twice. That when I was driving home 
from my uncle's funeral in Las Vegas, my niece's boyfriend and I took turns driving and to keep each other occupied, we asked each other questions and we talked about things that we wanted to see and do. And he said, you know, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? And I was telling him I wanted to go to the shooting locations of the Star Wars trilogy, like Tunisia, probably not Norway, Yuma, Arizona, somewhere in the redwoods in Cal Northern California, that kind of thing. And he's just like, why? And I said, well, the way that Vatican City or the Holy Land or Mecca or Martha's Vineyard are, are sacred to certain people, that's what Star Wars shooting locations would be to me. And he goes, ah, you know where I would go? And I was like, oh, I was supposed to ask you, sorry. Where? And he said, I would go to the catacombs under Paris and get to see all of that. And I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. So when Jeff and Emily and I were in this Chinese restaurant talking, she said, where, you know, where do you want to go? And she said, don't say the Louvre, because she and her daughter went to the Louvre and they spent five hours or six hours standing in line to get inside. And so she never wants to do that again. But I said, well, well, maybe not the Louvre, but I'd like to see the catacombs, maybe? And Jeff goes, ossuary, yeah! Which I know is a word, but only really, really smart people would ever use that. So it sounds like we're going to do that. And Emily said, and of course, if you're in Paris, you're going to want to do Paris Disneyland, right? And she said it like that, like, ugh. And I didn't know what to say. I was just like, well, no, I, no, I don't have to do that. I mean, I, that costs money. And she's like, everything costs money. And I was like, yes, but this costs a lot of money. And you guys just went last year. And when they went last year, I begged Jeff to take a picture of the Phantom Manor, which is the Paris equivalent to the Haunted Mansion, which is totally different. It's got a different uh, theme. It looks different from the outside, and it uh, has tons of bare breasts in it, which is just something I heard on the internet and is probably not true. And Jeff said, well, you know, you made such a big deal about seeing the pictures of the Phantom Manor. Would you want to go there? And I sort of smiled because, hell yeah, I want to go there. But, well, yeah, you know, kind of thing. I said that. Yeah, really, really bad Jay Leno impersonation. She said, oh, he wants to go. And Jeff was like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's cool. And I feel like they didn't want to do that. And I, maybe I should have tried to talk him out of it, but it's too late now. He had stayed in the Hotel New York in Paris which is a hotel made to look like a skyscraper in New York City. I, I think it might be an old New York City, but who knows? He had taken pictures and he'd gotten me a shirt and a souvenir mug from the Hotel New York in Paris. And he's like, we could stay at the Hotel New York. And I was just like, oh, you know, we could just stay anywhere. I don't, it doesn't have to be there. Um... But it sounds like that's what we're going to do. He wanted to show me some places there in Germany. And what's weird is he lives in Stuttgart. 
And I asked him, well, how many times have you gone up to the Black Forest and seen it? And he says, zero. And that surprised me. But I suppose different strokes for different folks, right? The things that appeal to me, Star Wars shooting locations, for example, might not appeal to you. And yeah, maybe you would think that the Louvre would be worth standing in line for six hours. But for me, the Louvre is just that place from the end of Edge of Tomorrow. So we talked about this. Jeff was going to go home, but then his wife caught COVID. And so they postponed returning back to Germany for a week. Uh, and we spent a lot of time with each other. It probably made him sick of me. But sure enough, when he got back to Germany, uh, he called me early, early in the morning um, and said, you know, what's your passport number? What's all this information? And that same day, I had plane tickets to Amsterdam and then on to Stuttgart and then return tickets a couple of weeks later. Um, he had asked me, like, how much time did I have free? And I said, why, uh, how long will it take to do these things? You know, I figured a week would be fine, but he thought two weeks would be better and, you know, 10 days is a compromise. And I, <laughs> I just let him decide, really. He, he was planning it and he's got a, an agenda, I suppose, if that's the word that I'm looking for. And look, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm never going to get a chance to see any of this stuff on my own. You know, 2022, I guess, will be my year. I already went to the Star Wars celebration back in April, and that was all I needed. I didn't need any more trips anywhere. My nephew wanted me to take him to a show in Vegas in September. And he says, oh, and I asked my mom and dad, if it was okay, and I asked my Uncle Ali if I asked Uncle Ali if we could stay at his house, and I was just like, wait a minute, you're asking them first before you ask me, and maybe I should. Problem is, I don't have much money. Anyway, it, it just seemed irresponsible to go to Vegas in September if I'm going to Europe in October. I'm going to have to figure out what to do. Well, the kids can feed my animals, and that it's fine. Billy Joel has this song called Vienna. It's all about uh, somebody who is working themselves to death, and he gives this advice of, whoa, slow down and enjoy the time right now. Vienna waits for you. <laughs> you know that when the truth gets told, you can get what you want or you can just get old. He goes, slow down. You can afford to lose a week or two. When will you realize Vienna waits for you? It really doesn't have anything to do with our plans, with this trip, but I wanted to talk about it and I wanted to open it up to you guys of 
Like, what sorts of things should I keep my eyes open for? What sort of things do you want to hear about? Because I'll definitely podcast about it. Here's a thing that's a, a fundamental difference between me and Jeff is he is a morning person. He wakes up at 5 a.m. without an alarm, come rain or come shine, every single morning. And there are times when he wakes up earlier than that. And me, I would rather not go to sleep at all than have to wake up at 5 a.m. I like to stay up all night. I, I feel like my mind is more active in the p.m. kind of thing. And so I will probably have plenty of time to podcast while I'm there. I'll be like, oh yeah, Jeff and Emily have gone to bed. And so what do I do? Um, anyhow, so that I, I'm, I'm letting you know about this trip that is happening. And let me know what you think I should do and see. I, t I told people on the Patreon <laughs> that I was going to, I had one goal, and that was to get somebody to take a picture of me with the gherkin right beside me, behind me, over my shoulder. Working the gherkin. <laughs> and I would make that my Facebook profile picture. Lofty goals, I know. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I like the gherkins. It makes me laugh. The gherkin. 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 I've said this a lot in this episode and in a lot of episodes. I have not been the most responsible person. I have... I burn a lot of bridges. I'm not good at commitment or seeing things through to the end. Maybe that's the same thing. I'm not good with other people and keeping a job has been very difficult, if not impossible with me. And because of that, there are a lot more limitations in my future. And that was what this episode was about, right? I, I decided I was going to call it what you leave behind, what I leave behind, what we'll leave behind. How about what you leave behind? Like the way Arnold Jackson used to say it. So it won't be confused with the final episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But memories are something that can last for the rest of your life. A trip like this which is exciting and once in a lifetime, could provide fodder for several episodes. And so that's what I chose to talk to you about to pad out the episode. I hope that you are interested to find out how it goes. And even though I know that I don't deserve to get to go on this trip, I hope that you feel like I deserve it. And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you've been friends for 35 years with a guy who gets up at 5 a.m. without an alarm. You've earned this trip. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I did not hit a deer yet. And I will talk to you soon. I appreciate you listening to my show. I appreciate uh, any times you've ever bought some of my stuff or given me positive 
feedback or encouraged me or supported me on Patreon uh, or the many other cool ways that people have shown me over the years that our podcast, The Dune Steep, and my own podcast have meant something to them. You mean something too. Take care. This is fake Sean Connery. And you can support me and the boy over at patreon.com. Encourage us to put out more shows by donating a dollar an episode. Or more if you've got more money than cents. Which, I suppose, some people have. And that's it for the Rish Outcast, which is produced under a Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution No Derivatives License, which means Rish owns it. Unless you stole it. And it's free of charge. Unless you've paid for it. And Rish has been lying all this time. But not this time. You, sir, are a liar and a scoundrel. And this podcast is over. Well, I, I agree with you there. I love killing, killing, killing monkeys. What? Tell her about what you did for Mrs. I- Idle, Idlewile. Tell her what you did for Mrs. Idlewile. Marcella said. Tell her about what you did for Mrs. Idlewile. I love killing, killing all the monkeys. And we would choose which cases we'd take on, just like a detective agency. (laughs) Just like a detective agency. Just like... If you've got a monkey and you want me to kill it, I will do it for a reasonable fee. It was difficult to convey how special their organization was. It was difficult for the young trio. T- it was difficult for the young trio. It was difficult for the young trio to convey to. Pot- it was difficult for the young trio to convey to potential clients just how special their organization was. Just a second. I'm not going to talk while this guy is writing my tale. Yeah, he's really hauling. He passed me like I was stopped, <clears throat> and that's fine. I don't. I don't take it personally. I just, I have seen so many deer today, let alone on my typical drive home. And you never know if the deer are going to be in the road or in the side of the road. And so, don't speed. Is it very valuable? Of course, said the man. Said the man. Of course, said the man. Said the man. Fuck you. Said the man. And they only had to wait a day for another client. That's probably the worst chapter so far.